Hello and welcome to It's More Than Money. It's More Than Money has a focus to bring you inspiring stories from real people who strive to improve every day. People who aren't willing to settle for the status quo, they've shaken off any limiting beliefs they might have had and they've just gone after what they really want in life. We'll have all kinds of guests, we'll have business owners, entrepreneurs, masters of the mind, industry game changers and money experts who will all, through their own stories, provide invaluable insights into creating a life you never thought possible. Good day or good evening to you all, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Another episode on It's More Than Money. Today we have John Pearl. John Pearl is a wealth advisor and also a coach based in Adelaide of Australia. A great chat with John. I really love this one. And in particular, there's a, you know, there's a lot of similarities between his line of work and mine also. Now, what we cover off here broadly is how the pursuit of money leaves us you know, unfulfilled and how a real feeling of success, accomplishment and fulfillment can actually be experienced when we focused on more than just money or material gain. So we talked through a lot of concepts around how John has helped his clients and examples of what we've each seen in people over the years, including ourselves. So, you know, things like being decisive, uh, seeking progress over perfection, managing money to fuel life change and how these two are so well integrated, uh, changing your life up for the better. And one of the really, really cool things that come out of this also was running 5Ks carrying a log. So we'll talk about what's the significance of that and what it can mean for you and what you can adopt in your own life. Hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. G'day, JP. Welcome again. Nice to have you in all the way from Adelaide, or what is can be referred to in Australia anyway as Radelaide. How's it going down there? <laughs> Radelaide is good, Kai. How are you, mate? How is the, the sunniest, most beautiful part of the country looking? It's actually sunny today, which makes a nice change for the, basically all of this year so far. <laughs> it's, I, think, I think we've become the new Melbourne. We just seem to have a few seasons in a day, at the very least a few seasons in a week. So it's nice to have some sunshine. <laughs> oh, mate, embrace it. It's getting brisk down here. I've got the, dusted the jumper off this morning and uh, see winter, winter is on its way. <laughs> Don't envy you. I'm still jumping in the pool, by the way, in the freezing waters that we have here. So. Uh, for all those, that, all those that may not know what I'm talking about from a previous episode, <laughs> it's going well. Anyway, all right, yeah, so we've got cool. some uh, things to talk about today we want to share, and it's in and around well-being. And there's no uh, there's no consensus around a single definition of well-being, but there is a, a general agreement, I suppose, amongst many, amongst us two in particular, that it's um, it's the presence of you know being positive, you know, positive emotions, being content, being happy whether that be in relationships and careers and whatever else, just life in general and generally speaking, the absence of you know, ill-feeling emotions, depression, anxiety and all those sorts of things and general satisfaction with life, fulfillment and feeling good day to day. So from a well-being perspective, that's what we're going to tackle today and, and to kick us off, John, we spoke briefly uh, just off air and your take on well-being and what you're helping people do. Give us a bit of insight on that. Yeah, look, from, from the coaching work that I do and even the, the corporate workshops with, with you know, broader teams, you know, I tend to default. I come back to you know, fitness and nutrition being the core component of well-being. And that probably really stems for me from being uh, such a big part of my life for, for so many years from when I was really young and I, I you know, I ate terribly when I was very young and that you know, manifested into gut health problems and skin problems. But you know, I always remained active and the two never kind of really gelled together because you're trying to remain active and do well in sport, but you're you know, not fueling yourself appropriately. 
and the evolution for me then obviously moving into then professional life and 18 years in investment and wealth advisory was you know, looking at those people around me that were working long hours, having lots of uh, stress and, and I guess pressures on them. And, and at its core, I always came back to, you know, if they just invested some time in, in their food and their movement, then the kind of the other aspects of your life will be easier to improve or address or, you know, will just be a lot smoother. Um, but for me, you know, well-being is, is broader. You're right. It, you know, it's, it's mental health. It's emotional health. And, yes, it's, it's physical, physical health and, and nutritional health, let's call it as well. So, yeah, well-being is a broad topic. I think it's also been a bit of a trendy buzzword the last couple of years. You know, you just have to go on Instagram and type in it's hashtag well-being. You see there's about <laughs> six, six trillion four hundred eighty-five billion posts that have got the word, you know, hashtag well-being. That's a real uh, number too, by the way. It is a real number. <laughs> um, just check Elon Musk's bank account. It's real. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think well-being is a broad topic for me. I do. I default back to that nutrition and movement piece it is a broad topic and yeah there's, there's no single definition of it and that probably leads perfectly into the uh, setting goals so how do we the way i see it is it becomes a matter of priorities and in part there's it's virtuous to be like you touched on uh, about hard work so working those long hours as a business owner or as a career person where you want to climb that career ladder and prove yourself and prove your worth it usually is tied into the hours you're actually putting in and it's less tied to the efficiency and the quality of the hours you're actually putting in. And I think that's an important differentiator between getting somewhere when you're talking the traditional sense, money, external factors and all those sorts of general things versus getting somewhere with your well-being. And when it comes to achieving either well-being or career progression, whatever it may be in that material sense, Setting goals is obviously an important part of that. And often what we do is we set goals for what we think is our well-being. So if we're achieving, then our life is good. But I think it's really important we dig into the setting of goals and making sure that we're setting the right ones. So what is right for you may not be right for me. And for example, how do we, let's talk about how we prioritize what goals we set and knowing how to actually set the right goals. So what sort of strategies do you use? Yeah, so look, I mean, I guess two parts to that. The first thing is I always say to clients, you know, when you're looking at your end goal or your, your, your vision of success, and I, the first thing I get everyone to get a clear understanding of is what success means to them because what we see a lot is that people will set goals or an idea of an end goal um, based on those around them, their colleagues, their family, their friends, their you know, business partners, and they'll work towards this because they perceive that that's what they need to be getting towards. But when they achieve it, they realise there's no joy, there's no satisfaction, there's no reward because it means two types of nothing to them. They were just working towards it because that's what everyone else was doing. So the, the first thing is to get really clear on you know, what it is you're trying to work towards, that end goal, that success, and why, attach a why to it. Uh, and then once we do that, we kind of, you know, like a lot of things, and again, it's like that, that wealth advisory, that financial planning journey, it's you've got your end goal now, we've got to reverse engineer it. What are the steps we need to do to, to get there? And when it comes to goal setting, you know, I, I sort of work through three different types of goals and everything that we do is around routine and habit forming. So at, at the simplest and, and its core, we start with regular goals. So every week, 
uh, on a Monday morning. Ideally, I, I get clients uh, first thing to sit down and write two professional and two personal goals for the week. And this is to start forming that routine and that habit of setting stuff uh, in place on a Monday that needs to be achieved for the rest of the week. And it doesn't need to be bold and audacious, nor should it be. It's about going, right, put the bins out because I didn't do it for the last two weeks. Catch up with Jenny because I said I would do was going to last week and I didn't. You know, stuff that is important, but it's not difficult to do. And the reason we do that, mm. it's about starting that routine of having goals in place regularly, but also those little rewards you can have throughout a week when you achieve that goal. So, you know, simple ones every week, too personal, too professional, Monday morning, simple little goals. The bulk of the time we spend is on what I call our medium goals or our medium-term goals. And this is, you know, is where we spend a lot of focus at, realigning it back with our end goal and our, our values. And these are our goals that are sort of six to 18 months in duration. And the way we step through these is what the goal is. We attach a why. You have to have a why, otherwise you've just got an arbitrary goal that means nothing. And then you have steps in place to achieve that specific goal. So it could be something like you know, register for XYZ course, um, set aside time in diary to complete it. So, you know, have those clear steps that you need to do to achieve it. But then also have, I have a section at the end of this sort of worksheet we use that says celebrate your win. So once you achieve that goal, celebrate your win and make sure you, you do that. Um, and these goals can be, you know, personal, professional, fitness, educational. You know, there's a, a, an array of, I guess, uh, categories we could call them that we set goals. But in here as well, though, which are the, the goals that are really leading us towards that idea of success or that end goal, I say don't set any more than three to five because if you set any more than three to five, you're not going to achieve. It just becomes overwhelming and you end up achieving none of them. So three to five is kind of the sweet spot for setting those big sort of longer-term goals. And the last set, I guess the third um, goal category, if we want to call it that, is you know, your longer term or almost like what I call, you would have possibly heard the bucket list. You know, these are goals that you have that you may not know when you're going to achieve them, how you're going to, be going to achieve them. They're big, bold and audacious, uh, but you, you have to note them down because these are things that you want to achieve. They're going to give you a, a sense of reward or enjoyment. And it's about just putting them there. And it, it's once it's noted down and it's a little bit around that concept of manifesting, you know, the world will deliver if you've at least noted it down and acknowledged that there's something you want to achieve. And I can give you an example if it floats your boat. Um, we can go through that. But they're my three kind of goals. Yeah, I, think I love them, basically. You know, they help set an intention. And what you just touched on there, just on that last bit about at least you're putting it out there, something that you want to accomplish. And at the very least, it's about setting that intention. So there's uh, learning that I came about probably just even just a few weeks ago, and it's probably nothing new, but it's the first time I heard it was about stickability and flexibility. Mm -hmm. This came from guests we had on a few weeks back, Greg Reed, and he said the goal needs to be stickable. And the way I've actually used this with people through our work is that it's it's got to have an emotional charge to it. And that's your that's when you mentioned that why. So why hashtag why that's floating around out there mm -hmm. endlessly as well. I don't know what the numbers you threw out, trillion, something like that. <laughs> Elon Musk number type thing. Yeah, yeah correct. The, the hashtag why, it's it's a real thing. So when you actually, it's not just a, a Twitter post or it's not just a hashtag thing, understand why you're actually setting the goal. And to 
identify whether you have actually set a goal that is attached to what your why might be. It comes with an emotional charge. So when we, as I say, when we talk through goal setting with people, we're looking at just not, okay, we want to go on a holiday and we want to retire comfortably. We want to do those sorts of things. What's the why? So we keep digging. It's almost like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We all have a basic need, which is food on the table and shelter and power and you know, clothing, all those sorts of things. And you keep working up that pyramid to understand what at the very top of that pyramid, what is the highest priority you have in your life? And that comes with an emotional charge. So where we get into trying to decipher what goal we set, you've, you've outlined a strategy for that or structure. But we also need to make sure we highlight that point why. So you've touched on a really good thing there around societal norms or what we've been conditioned to see is success, which I touched on was a career, climbing and all those sorts of things. But for you, where you've worked with people, what have you seen the results in setting the goals, following this structure, identifying that why, where even just one example, what's just one path you've seen someone on which is not great for their well-being versus being through some change, setting different goals and refocusing, where are they now? What's some good transformations you can speak of? Yeah, look, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with attaching emotion to it. Um, that's a huge, huge part of it because what's going to keep you on track to, to work towards these goals is A, fear of failure, and, and I can quickly talk yeah. about that, but also the emotion as well. So when we set goals as part of the corporate workshops, I actually get everyone to pull their phone out and go through their photographs in a gallery before they start setting the goals. And they start flicking through photographs of their kids and their partners and, you know, now sit down and write your goals out because in the back of your mind you've got this imagery around your family and that helps create that emotional attachment to what you're about to write down. Yeah, yeah. It primes your mind, so, doesn't it? For that, It really does, that right? Yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. Um, so from, I guess, an experience of, of what I've seen, uh, one that always stands out to me was an individual who was, or still is, a consultant and would work incredibly long hours and was earning good money. And we went through, as we do even in the coaching stuff, a bit of a cash flow analysis and we said, well, there's a surplus cash flow here, but now let's talk about your goals. What are we trying to achieve and why? And we, we did a big full day of whiteboarding around what he enjoys, what he doesn't enjoy, where he's trying to take the business, what the objective is, what the end goal is. Uh, then we go through more personally, well, what's the objective? What's the end goal? What are you trying to achieve? What do you enjoy? Why? And then we started talking about the monetary element. And he says to me, Yep, I want to earn $500,000 a year. That's my goal for next year. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, that's a great goal. But why? Well, I mean, that's what I've been told that consultants should be earning is $500,000. <laughs> okay. And we've identified already that there's a cash flow surplus. You've identified that you are not present enough with your children. You've identified that you're not being a great husband. You've identified these areas of the business you don't enjoy. And we started unpacking this, this attachment to a monetary goal of $500,000. And through this, I guess, self-reflection and exploration around what the goal was, uh, the $500,000 and where it came from, being societal norms, that this is what a consultant should earn. We then went a little bit deeper into, well, 
what actually is important to you? And it was around family. It was about exploring nature. It was about being outside. It was about being a present father. And he just started crying. And he just started crying in the middle of the coaching session because he had this realisation that he'd wasted, no, track that, that he had invested too much time into something that was taking him down a path that didn't align with what truly was important to him. And he'd realised that he hadn't been the father that he has always wanted to be for the last few years because he'd spent so much time trying to build a business and earn an income that actually didn't mean anything to them as a family. And he started crying and then realised that what it was important was being a better father, a better husband, being active, being outdoors, being with the children. That's why they moved here from overseas was to be in the Australian outdoors. And so then we landed on a new number and it meant that he had so much more time, so much more flexibility and, and moved his, his, you know, his goals and, and moved his, um, uh, I guess, his strategy moving forward for the business to focus more on what was important to him and why. And it was just a highly emotional realisation for him. It was a, one of those, if, you know, if it was a cartoon, the light bulb kind of goes on above the head. Uh, yeah, so that's probably one example where just through that conversation and exploration, the realisation goal was clashing with what was truly important, but it was that societal pressure around you from colleagues and in industries to achieve a certain thing. Yeah, and that's, that definitely plays a huge role, an absolutely huge role. And I know for myself through uh, what I sort of spoke of earlier around this virtue in working hard, but, you know, when are you actually working hard enough? What is enough? Who actually defines that and what's the benchmark and what's the measure? Because like that gentleman you're speaking of, you can spend 20 hours a day at work, but but what are you losing out along the way? And But he was doing what he thought was right. Right. Unbeknownst to himself, through that exercise you did with him, obviously it revealed what he did really value most and what was meaningful for him. And then the, ultimately the recognition came of the disconnect between what he was actually taking action towards versus what he was leaving behind and obviously left a bit of a gap for him. And when we talk to people in a similar way, it's again, it's that why, hashtag why. What, where's that well-being piece coming into play? Because when you're pursuing something with so many hours in the day, and it's not really filling your cup up, your emotional cup, then your well-being is going to be shot. And I've seen people that have worked their asses off and those close in my network and family that, I know it sounds terrible, but they look like shit. They're 55 mm-hmm. years of age. They look 75 years of age. They've mm-hmm. actually cooked themselves. So they've fought that hard to prove their own worth through the, you know, the 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week but it ultimately doesn't even get them anywhere. And I want to touch on here too. One thing we um, speak to people about is you've set the goals, we, you know, you identify the why and you need to actually, there's this thing flying around another hashtag, which is called balance. Mm. Now for me personally, and people uh, probably debate this or think, what am I talking about? I think it's just a crock of shit. Balance is a thing that came out, I think in the seventies or eighties, but what I've come to realize and a few years gone by, not even just within myself, with others around me and the work we do with clients, is prioritizing. Hmm. So for that gentleman you spoke of and people we speak to, it's about prioritizing. Having, for example, top three, you said don't have any more than three to five. That's prioritizing, Not that's not balance. So when we'll keep running with that gentleman you spoke of, when he's at work, he's at work. That's it. 
And if that focus is unwavering, another thing out there, hashtag multitasking, you know, that's a waste of time. Nothing ever gets done right then. It's not just that uh, virtuous for the females can do it and we can't as men. <laughs> I'm happy to tap out of multitasking. <laughs> Let go of that pride and ego. But it's, it's, it's a really good example of actually tackling what it is that is a priority. We can't be all things to all people in every circumstance. So we need to prioritise, and he's obviously narrowed it down to family time and his career to a degree. Obviously, there's a lot of love and passion in what he does, but one was out of balance with the other. But where it comes back to priorities, what I'm getting to here is where people can narrow down the goals because what I'm imagining as we're speaking is that people are sitting here listening going, yeah, right, easy for you to say. I've got so many freaking things going on. I've got so many hats I've got to wear. You expect me to sit down and now write some goals out? I've already got enough goals. I've got to do this. I've got to pick up the kids. I've got to get to work. I've got endless tasks, et cetera, et cetera. But goals narrow down success is found in simplicity. So success in your life, your well-being is about prioritizing. So for you, for example, John, your thing might be at the moment fitness. You want to get fit. You want to run. You want to do all that. For me, it's not. I have a couple of runs a week. And I jump in the freezing cold pool. It's very therapeutic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for me. I, I feel a general sense of good well-being and health through that amount of exercise. What I'm getting to is I might spend more time on the work I love doing versus the time you spend exercising. Everyone's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. how is it that we step out of those expectations of what we think we should be doing and step into what it is we really want to be doing and prioritising those goals one through three. Yeah, I mean, the important thing with goals is they also lead into creating structure and routine. And I'm such a big believer of having structure and routine because once we have clarity on what the goals are, we then need to build out a week that can accommodate achieving those goals as opposed to, like you say, multitasking, spinning multiple plates, you're not going to be giving 100% attention to any one thing. You're trying to be present with your children whilst cooking dinner, whilst taking a call for work. I mean, that's, that's, you're not being focused on any one task. But I think by having clarity on what, what it is you're trying to achieve and why having that emotional attachment uh, then leads us into creating a really um, structured week. Now, you know, a structured week that's malleable. I always say that, you know, life happens and, and yeah. you know, we can't live every day like, oh, it's 8.20, just ticked over, I've got to end this call because now I need to shift my attention to this. No, that's what I'm saying is it's about going, right, these are the things that are important to me. These are the things that are going to make me closer to my end goal. Um, how can I build out some time and structure in my week to achieve that? And by having that routine, then you can appropriately allocate time to each area that is important to you, like you say, being mm. present then in, in, in each task. Yeah. So it might be, so we, we spend a lot of time on, again, uh, working with the individual around identifying what's important, the why, and, and what the end goals are. And, and if it involves allocating some time, not compromising on those times as well. And especially for me when it comes to you know, personal and family time and fitness time. So, you know, what would be the example would be, you know, between 7.30 and 8.30 on a Thursday and 7.30 and 8.30 on a Tuesday, that's when I drop my children at you know, school or kindy or whatever. Yeah. Don't compromise on that. No. That, that's important to you. That's, you've identified that family is important. 
don't compromise that. Your time is just as important as anyone else's. So when people are demanding of your time and saying, yeah, 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 that's fine, just come to a breakfast with these guys, there might be an opportunity in it. Don't compromise that. No. Go back to what's important in your why. And if family is important to you, then tell them you're not available and you can join them afterwards for a coffee, but I'm not going to be able to make the breakfast. So it, it's blocking those times out in the diary and creating routine and structure so you can be present, so you can be fo fully focused on each task you're working on. And, and a point I forgot I was going to say before was when it comes to goals as well, one of the greatest motivators and drivers to achieve a goal is, is visualising failure. So there's yeah. a podcast by a guy called Dr. Huberman. Uh, it's called The Huberman Lab, and he's a neurologist, I think, based out of the States. So he talks a lot about, obviously, the brain and how it works, and they say that, you know, it's great to visualise success and how amazing it's going to be to have this, you know, for me, I look at my vision board and there's this you know, beautiful house up in Noosa that I see us living in one day and that's wonderful. But then also actually attaching the emotion to that by going, if I don't achieve the goal, how will I feel? You know, if yeah. I'm 140 kilos now and I want to get to 80, how will I feel if in 12 months' time I'm still 140 kilos? Attaching yeah. that emotion of failure to it is actually a motivator to achieve a goal as well. Yeah, I love where this is going too because it's it's about discipline and decisiveness and those boundaries you spoke of around sticking to what it is that you value most. So, for example, the gentleman we spoke about, uh, well, the example you gave around in the kitchen with the kids and taking a call from work, it might be 6 o'clock at night or whatever the case may be, that is not on to a degree unless – your highest value is in that career and in that work. Very seldom is that the case. I haven't found anyone who really holds their career in such high esteem that they're willing to sacrifice time with their family or, or other different things. So discipline plays a very, very big part. And I want to explore that a little bit because for me, traditionally, discipline's hard. And it's mm. actually, uh, it's not a good feeling to be disciplined. Like it comes with a, an overtone of maybe aggression and restriction and limitation, but mm. where you are actually disciplined in the right areas of your life. And bear in mind, this is about taking control of your life rather than it controlling you. And ultimately, it'll mean that you take control of your own well-being. If you set these boundaries and you're disciplined in exactly what you do, then you are actually going to enhance your own well-being, mental health, and general. If you're exercising, you make sure you've blocked out seven thirty, eight thirty, whatever it is. Then you will start to see the results. But importantly, to back that discipline, you've got to be decisive. There's no point being disciplined, but also indecisive about what direction you want to take and what you value most. So, I think it's important. We've got you set goals, but those goals have got to have emotional charge to them, which is usually attached to your values and those sorts of things. When you identify what you value most then unwaveringly you have that discipline that makes sure that every move you make, you stick to it. The problem with that, and this is where some of the biggest challenges come in, and one example comes up for me that if we have people here over a long weekend, my, my routine gets thrown out. So my routine, for example, would be going for a run in the afternoon, come home, jump in the pool, freeze my butt off after five, 10 minutes and get out. And it feels really good, like it's invigorating. Mm -hmm. But when we've got people here weekend, every weekend, over long weekends, that has the potential to disrupt that routine. However, my discipline is like, I'm here. I'm here most of the day. I'm going to do my 45 minutes to an hour and I'll be back soon pretty much. Yeah. So what have you seen and how do you sort of help people? Uh, there's ways that I've done it, but how have you helped people 
be disciplined in the face of potentially being judged or others saying, how rude, what are you doing? We're supposed to be spending time together, et cetera. How do we find, how do we prioritise and, and handle those sorts of situations? Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it, that the people are lost that often deviate from something that they know is important to them based on pressures from those people around them, Yeah. Uh, if I spat that out correctly. So, you know, it yeah. might be I'm, I'm not drinking for the whole of May, let's say, a simple realistic example because it's important to me and I know my health is suffering, blah, 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 right? That could be an example. But then they go for a lunch with a group of old friends they haven't seen for a long time and they say, guys, I'm not drinking, you know, it's my health is suffering, uh, you know, you guys enjoy it come on, come on, don't be a wuss, come on, just have a drink. <laughs> and nine out of ten people will break. They, they succumb really quickly. And for me, it's, again, it's that mental strength that you just have to build over time, having an expectation that that mental strength doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and routine and it takes support from those around you. Uh, and, and a big part, and again, that's why I call this coaching stuff accountability coaching. It's about having someone, whether it's me or you or a partner or a friend, holding an individual accountable to, to achieving these goals because that's the support they need to then not deviate from the routines or the goals that they're trying to achieve because they've got someone there to support them or to kick them in the butt or whatever it might be. And, and that really then you know, helps them form that mental strength, that mental toughness to push back on those around them that might be you know, pressuring them to, to break from something that's important to them. Yeah, I like the combination that's evolved here. We've got, I guess, success found in simplicity, which is about prioritising. So rather than having 8, 10, 15 different things you want to accomplish in any given day or any given week, it's about simplicity. It's about simplifying what you want to tackle by prioritizing your goals and those goals are attached to those values. They've got that emotional charge. So it, to me, it works like layers. You start at the broader view of what's happening and you end up filtering it down like a funnel and narrowing down into a lane that you really want to stay in. And then it becomes a point of uh, discipline, as we said before, and as you've just touched on about adhering to what it is you really want, because over time we can instill new habits and new patterns. I think it's a, Depending on what we subscribe to, it's anywhere from 60 to 90 days to instill a new habit. That's not very long, but sometimes when you're in the day-to-day, that feels like a long time. Mm. As far as uh, fueling that, one thing that came up as a set of hair, it's all integrating, is it visualizing failure. Mm. Now, there is a case of some people, nobody wants to be changed. People only ever want to change, and that comes from within. So they might reach a point in their life where they go, you know what? I've had enough of this. And I had that uh, a number of years ago now. It just wasn't cutting it. I set goal after goal after goal. And each time I got to each goal, I thought, oh, well, yeah, this is this is good. I know what I've got to do. I've got to set a bigger goal. So then mm-hmm. I went off again to achieve it. But I got to a point eventually where I just went, this is, I just got sick of it never being enough. So there's yep. got to be something else going on here. The goals aren't cutting it anymore. So it really is a point where you can get to and where that desire then starts to bubble up to go enough's enough. And sometimes it's a, um, what can be called a midlife crisis for men. Sometimes it's referred to as a nervous breakdown for women. And sometimes it's not even as severe as that. It's just a general discontent and unhappiness. And it's, you know, there's apathy in life and all those sorts of things. So they can be the trigger points 
but it's not a it's not like we need to get stuck in those. They're a sign. It's like a red light at a traffic intersection where you go, oh shit, I've got to stop. Those things that happen where we're feeling like rubbish and we're feeling crap, our well-being is on notice. There's an alarm going off saying you've got to change something. And I just really want to point out here that we're not helpless and we're not a victim to what life is throwing at us. And what we're what I'm really wanting getting out of what we're talking about so far is take control of where you go. You set the intentions through your goals. You identify what emotionally is charging that. And if anything, visualize the failure as fuel. Use that as fuel. I liked what you put there, what that guy said about visualizing failure. If the vision of success doesn't do it and doesn't keep you moving, try and visualize the failure. What does it look like if you don't do this? How bad are things going to be if you don't make change? And so many people will either not start or not commit to change to a goal out of a perception of difficulty. So they won't even enter into the race at a perception of how difficult it's going to be. And that's yeah. what I think causes so many people to not make change is because they have these preconceived ideas of how difficult the journey is going to be. Before they've even started the journey, they're like, no, it's just impossible. It's too hard. There's well, no way it. I can get there. And that's, that's the one of the, again, community around you, support. And, and, yeah, definitely need good people around you and people that foster that growth and involvement and change. People that are in, sort of encouraging you and bringing you along or they're coming along with you, not holding you back. Like the example of me going for a run. What sort of people do we have here on the weekend who might get upset that I go for that run while they're here? To me, that's not a good support and they don't respect or see the value in what I've got to do for my own well-being, albeit a very small part of the day that they might be here. And I haven't experienced that at all. But what I'm saying is that it has been brought up in years gone by from those closest to me. It's like, oh, you were rude. You walked away and said, well, yeah, I, I needed my 10 minutes. I wanted my half an hour to myself. So that's the discipline part. But I think it's interesting how you got to come back from that as well. So rather than fuel the hostility that may, you might be criticised in, it's about coming back saying, yeah, it's okay, and I respect that you might want to go somewhere as well. So for me, it's a discipline's a big part and not to be rude, arrogant about it. And you've touched on something just before where the difficulty in going through this, we have ego, we have conditioning and societal norms that have us in a position where we shouldn't do that. We're selfish, we're rude or whatever it might be. But if you really want change, then you do have to actually make change. You've got to take action. So the difficulty, what I found, I can relate to that too, is that even, you know, I think I mentioned before once, but even just going for a run, voice comes in and goes, oh, no, you need to rest. You've worked hard this week. I don't have that anymore because I just know when I go, I feel better for it. Mm. so with you and what you've seen with people and you work with people for a number of months or a number of years how what's probably maybe one two or three things if at all that you can pinpoint what's worked for them to instill the change is it the accountability piece and having good people around them yeah look i think definitely that the two clear standouts for me uh, one is having accountability so having someone in your corner that that understands respects and encourages the changes you want to make and the goals that you've set and then they're going to hold you accountable through that journey you know, to check in see how you're going remind you you know hey you said you were going to do this this week or you said you were going to train three days or you said you were going to you know register the new company name for that business you wanted to start like having someone there to hold you accountable but to do it in a supportive and encouraging way not um an abusive way uh, and then also then yeah big big believer on the community that you surround yourself with you know 
the four pillars that I talk about when it comes to achieving success that are non-negotiable for me are nutrition, movement, mindset, environment. And in that environment piece comes the concept of the five people you surround yourself with. You know, speaking to a, a group yesterday and, and the example I sort of gave was that, you know, if you're an individual and you're entrepreneurial and you've got a great idea, you think for, for starting a business and you're really passionate about it and you want to, to do it and you know it's going to take commitment of time and financial and you want to, to launch into this new idea that you've got you know, product or service or otherwise, yet the people you surround yourself with check in at nine to five, go home, smash a six pack, play some video <laughs> games. Um, I don't think I've yeah, ever sit- done that. I don't think I've ever done that either, uh, but you'd be surprised, right? You'd be yeah. surprised. Um, but if that's who you're surrounding yourself with, because you know, typically, oh, I know, but we've been mates for like 16 years and, yeah. oh, you know, it's my, it's my wife's best friend. And, you know, yeah, if that's yeah. who you're surrounding yourself with, then what's the path you're going to take very quickly? You're not going to find that support, nourishment and encouragement to, to go on your entrepreneurial journey because nobody around you is is supportive or in that space there's no one to aspire to be like or to support you or who has been yeah. through that journey you know if you can go through a bit of a self-audit and go i love you but i can't spend this much time with you i need to you know include someone else into my my top five you know if you change your top five to being people that you uh you find aspirational who yeah. are supportive who are encouraging whether it's friends family colleagues or mentors or coaches uh, then you know, your journey will be achieved, but you need to get that that top five right. And it can be an easy conversation to have that breakup, as it might be called. And one way to do it is where you actually just communicate in such a way as that this, John, this is what I want for me. I just want to make some changes for my life. And it's not about a conversation where it's, it's bagging the other person's way of life and what they're doing and what yeah. they don't do for you. It's simply staying focused on how you want to make changes. So, JP, this is what I want to do for me. I'm, you know, I've had some great times drinking with you, for example. I just want to give that a rest for a while and I want to try this new path. That's it. Now, if they start ranting and raving, that's only because they feel uncomfortable with the choice you've made. That's okay. Let them have that. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to, like, it's a softer approach. You don't have to go for the cutthroat breakup conversation right there and then. You might be starting to recognise that this thing's not serving you in your life and you're surrounded by people that aren't really fostering the change you want to make. But you just have that conversation. I'm just trying. This is what I want to give it a go. I want to do something different. I want to instill some better habits for me. Great, JP, if you want to join me. But, I'm, you know, by saying that, you're sort of saying I'm not necessarily waiting for you either. <laughs> so, yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and an interesting example of this is which you know, I've seen a lot at the moment is people that, are drinking too much, that are resorting to alcohol as a means to um, deal with stress, work issues, family issues, whatever it might be. And so many now are starting to make that decision to, to walk away from alcohol for a month at least to start yeah. with and, and perhaps longer until they can feel comfortable they can reintroduce it. Yeah. And you go to these you know, boys' lunches, catch-ups and all this sort of stuff that, you know, that I, that I still do go to. And everyone's you know, swimming through the red wine and then it's not till after these. <laughs> and, then after drowning, these and, and then drowning in the red wine. <laughs> yeah, drowning in the red wine and still having a nightcap. And, um, no, it's not until after the events that I get pulled aside one-on-one afterwards going, mate, I just I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Like I love yeah, yeah. the crew and I love the, the guys, but I just can't be dealing with the drinking anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, 
be open about that. It's okay. You're in a safe space. It's a good group of people. Yeah. Let people know. And more and more, I just want to, I want to make that leap, but they don't feel like they can. They haven't got the support, the encouragement, or it's that fear of what if I tell people this is a change I want to make. Um, so, I, you know, I think I say to people, if you, if you've identified there's a change you want to make or if there's a path you want to take, don't fear judgment, don't fear failure, call it out, seek a community around you to support you and just have a red hot crack yeah. because you'll, you'll, you'll be more disappointed if you don't do that than if you do it and fail. And you can stay stuck in the mud plains or you can climb that mountain and get to the summit because the view from the summit is far, far better and it's worth the climb, it's worth the effort, it's worth the chills, the pains, and whatever it is you might go through. And those who want to join you, they'll come with you. And those who don't, that's okay, that's their path, that's what they want to do. doesn't mean you don't stop loving them, like you said, you don't stop mm. enjoying their company in one way or another. You might give them a cooey from the summit, but you're not stuck down in the mud plains with them. So it's a really important point and it's been, and not to dismiss the difficulty of it too, it can be quite challenging. There's that sense of belonging that comes with that circle of friends or family. I know mm. for myself that there's been times where I've uh, sort of gradually, I guess, separated someone in my network and it's just, it's, it's never really a conversation that comes about per se as it is just time just separates us and separates our past. But incredibly mm. important to do, the impact that those have on you that are around you it's not to be dismissed. And equally, in reverse, what impact are you having on people around you? Yeah. Are you being supportive? Are you being encouraging? So this is not just a one-way street. You've also got to have that honesty piece with yourself. An accountability companion, an accountability coach can help you with that, but they're not with you every part of the day. We have you know, roughly 60,000 thoughts a day. You've got to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. To be honest in your own behaviors, your own decisions, and be disciplined in that as well. So, given you shall receive, pretty much. Yeah, like I often say to people, let's let's take a moment to to step outside your body and look back down. And are you happy with what you see? And the example would be that if you walk into, I always use like like the a networking event as an example. And there's always you know people kind of group up into little groups and and, and chat. I said and. And who would you be in those groups? You always go to one group and there's someone there who is, you know, they're happy and laughing and they're joyful and they're engaging and you walk into that group and you think, oh, yes, this is great. What an an awesome person. How much fun are these guys? Mm. And then you go to the other group and there's someone who, oh, God, this and negative, that, oh, the world, and oh, COVID, and it's all over. And and you just, is that you? You have that moment to self-reflect and go, who, which person do you want to be? Do you want to be the person yeah. that attracts positive energy, positive people, or do you want to be the one that attracts negativity and pushes people away? Yeah. Uh, and be honest with yourself. And that can change. That's that's certainly something that can change. Just because you're negative today doesn't mean you have to be negative tomorrow. We all have down days, but it doesn't have to go on for three, six, five. Yeah, absolutely. And the 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 greatest gift in all of this, what we're talking about in around as challenging as it can be to achieve that sense of well-being that we may look at and we may visualize, but never necessarily take action. It can be hard. It can be hard to make change. The greatest gift though, is we actually, we have a choice. Our thoughts, our beliefs, they're not locked in forever and a day that can, we can never make a change. It's like a shopping list out there. We can choose what we keep and we can choose what we throw away. I'm not referring to people there. I'm choosing, I'm Mm. talking about our own thoughts and our own beliefs and things. So 
I think that's the greatest gift in all of this is that we have a choice and there's a myriad of information out there. I can't remember what your number was. Trillions and trillions and <laughs> trillions and trillions. Yeah, yeah. Of pieces of information that can help support you to make that change for the better and your own greater improvement and well-being, whether it be through JP or with other people around. It's everywhere. We don't have to stay as we are stuck in the mud plains. We can actually climb to that summit. So, mate, for you, uh, we're going to call that an episode. Is there uh, parting words that you would like? Everything we've spoken about that you might want to leave people with. Oh, there's so many things yeah, I could talk is. on podcasts for hours. Um, that's probably why I stopped doing mine some years ago because I just kept talking. Um, you like to ramble too. As do I. I do. I love, I love a chat. Uh, you know, I, I think the key for me, you know, we've spoken about goal stuff. We've spoken about the importance of understanding end goals and, and physical component. But, you know, I think that from a tools perspective, so if anyone listening to this is like, well, what are some of the things that I could start doing in my life to improve my positivity, my mindset, give me some clarity of thought. And there's three things I would encourage everyone to either, you know, get on Google or send me an email, whatever works for you. And I would say start bringing these three things into your life. The first one is, yes, I'm going to say fitness, of course, because, you know, the dopamine, the endorphins that it releases through training, um, whatever that is that you, you know, I think we yeah, spoke yeah. about it in the first one, do what you enjoy. Don't just even join a gym. Just, even just a walk every morning. Just a walk. Minutes, just get out there and do it. Be active because yeah. that will release the happy hormones that are yeah. going to give you a positive feeling and a sense of reward for the day. That's number one. Yeah. The second one is meditation. I encourage you to all explore Agreed. various yeah. types of meditation. It takes you to a place of calm and stillness, so it helps you manage those stressful times when they occur in your life. It also gives you a moment to knowingly and sometimes unknowingly come upon a realisation about something, whether it's a, a trouble for the day or something bigger. Yeah. And the third thing would be, and this is a tool that you can use when you're driving, preferably at a set of lights, not at 100 down a freeway, but is breath work. Yeah. You know, simple things like box breathing, which is holding your breath breathing in, holding, breathing out, holding on the count four. Uh, again, I can take people through it or just Google it. There's some guides on how to do box breathing, but just simple controlling of breath. You know, if you have an, a moment where you're stressed or angry or upset, a little bit of breath work, or even if you just feel like you're needing to settle down and get some clarity of thought, box breathing. If you yeah. feel like you're about to walk into a presentation and you're nervous, box breathing. Yeah. So they're kind of three tools I would part with to say, yeah, there is a lot of work in going through a coaching journey and identifying what the perceived roadblocks are and how we overcome those. But I think three really useful tools, get moving, get active, get outside, practice some form of meditation and also work on um, breath work. Yeah. And meditation, breath work, I see is one and the same. So yeah, people yeah, think it's, meditation, it's... you're going to sit down with your legs crossed and you, you've got an hour off into another realm. But even those moments where you take five deep breaths, that's actually meditation. Correct, correct. Yeah, for me, transcendental meditation works, takes me to a nice place of stillness, yes, 20, 15, 20 minutes, uh, but sometimes I find I just need to just stop and breathe and yeah, gives me a, a moment of clarity. So, yeah, 100%. And to accompany those and round it off, success is found in simplicity. And that's yep. through those steps and what we spoke about today. Keep it simple. It's difficult, I know. And keep it simple through prioritizing. Yep. And I think you captured that perfectly. So, JP, thank you as always. 
there's definitely plenty more to to talk about. So I'm sure we've got another episode coming. <laughs> we'll keep oh, it down into bite-sized chunks of people. More palatable maybe, that way, maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll more fly up your way so I can get this jumper off and get a t-shirt back on. Yeah, the pill won't even be cold for you. You'll be looking at me going, what are you going on about? I'd have, to, yeah. I'd have to rip the dickos out. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. No, you can't come around with those. Okay, fine. Cool chance, <laughs> hey, great to talk to you. Thank you for yeah. being on again. And uh, you've definitely got a, another episode or two to share some more. Thanks, Kai. Appreciate it as always, mate. Thank you for listening to It's More Than Money. Before we go, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for this podcast and wherever you listen to it, give it a rating as well. If you'd like to find out more, you can always go to our website, parentfg.com, or you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Please leave a suggestion for a future topic if you wish. Either way, we'd love to hear from you, so let us know your thoughts. We'll have another episode soon. Thanks for listening to It's More Than Money. Take care. We'll catch you next time.